Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. It's Isaiah chapter 38, starting from verse 1. And we'll read all the way through till chapter 39, verse 8. Page 722. In those days... Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order, because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion, and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, Go and tell Hezekiah, This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you... And this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, I will defend this city. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun go back the ten steps it has gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So the sunlight went back the ten steps it had gone down. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. I said, in the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? I said, I will not again see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. No longer will I look on mankind or be with those who now dwell in this world. Like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down and taken from me. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life, and he has cut me off from the loom. Day and night, you made an end of me. I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion, he broke all my bones. Day and night, you made an end of me. I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I am troubled, O Lord. Come to my aid. But what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things men live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Fathers, tell your children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me. And we will sing with stringed instruments 
all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Isaiah had said, prepare a poultice of figs and apply it to the boil and he will recover. Hezekiah had asked, what will be the sign that I will go up to the temple of the Lord? At that time, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of his illness and recovery. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly and showed them what was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine oil, his entire armory and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked, what did those men say and where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied, they came to me from Babylon. The prophet asked, what did they see in your palace? They saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace And all that your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away. And they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied. For he thought there will be peace and security. In my lifetime. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, do please uh, sit down and I'll pray for us. And using some words from the psalmist, we pray open our eyes, Lord, that we may see wonderful things in your law. And then we pray that as we see those things, you would change our hearts, that we would obey them. And live in ways that bring glory and honour to your name. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, let me encourage you, if you will, to turn in your Bibles uh, to uh, the reading that uh, Rob read for us just a little bit earlier. Uh, Page 722 is the page number uh, that uh, you'll need. Uh, Isaiah chapters 38 and 39 as we finish this uh, series looking through um, this section of Isaiah I I don't know about you, but uh, I want an easy, hassle-free life. Uh, That's why I look forward to going on holiday so much. I love being free from all the normal, everyday pressures that are such a pain in the net, frankly. The endless emails, the complaints because I've failed once again to live up to people's expectations, and the request to do yet more. I don't know about you, but I'd like to be wealthy enough to to enjoy all the luxuries that this life affords. And so I often find myself dreaming of what it would be like to have that easy, luxurious life. It seems so many of my anxieties come from the fear that I won't have that free and easy life. So many of my disappointments and frustrations and irritations come when life is not easy and comfortable, but hard and difficult. But strangely, here in chapters 38 and 39 of Isaiah, 
we discover that an easy, hassle-free life may not always be the best thing for us. And strangely, here in these chapters, we discover that it is very often the case that when we face adversity and go through hard times, that we really find what life is all about. Isaiah chapter 38 begins with devastating news for King Hezekiah, King of Judah. Look at verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Now, I'd like to say a word to all the ladies here, if I may. I guess uh, the ladies are reading this wondering if Hezekiah really was that ill because you know how we men are when we get the slightest cold. We think we're going to die. Well, look, I need to tell you, this wasn't a case of man flu. Hezekiah really was on his deathbed, so much so that the Lord sent Isaiah the prophet to say to him, do you see it there, verse 1, put your house in order because you are going to die, you will not recover. I went to see someone in hospital a few months back and asked the nurse if I could go and see the patient that I'd gone to see. And she went and uh, had a word with him and told him that I'd come to visit him. And he said to her, am I really that ill that the vicar has come to see me? Well, I want to tell you Hezekiah really was that ill, which is why Isaiah the prophet did go to see him. And make no mistake about it, Isaiah didn't turn up at his bedside to pray that he might get better, but to make sure that he'd made his will and said his goodbyes to his family. He told him, verse 1, to put his house in order because he was going to die. What a devastating blow. And desperately, some of you will know what this feels like. Perhaps you've been diagnosed with an incurable disease and you're living with a death sentence hanging over you. For some of us will remember when we heard the news that a loved one only has months to live. It is devastating and earth-shattering. And so, verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, Remember, O Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now, in the Bible book of 2 Kings, we read that Hezekiah was a good king of Judah. In 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 3, we're told that Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. In verse 5 of the same chapter, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. So Hezekiah's assessment of himself in verse 3 are not the unrealistic words of a man who thinks rather too highly of himself. Hezekiah really had lived faithfully and with wholehearted devotion to the Lord. And so he wept. And verse 4, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I've heard your prayer and seen your tears, I will add 15 years to your life And I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. How kind and gracious of the Lord. For the Lord not only heard Hezekiah's prayer and saw his tears and promised him another 15 years of life, but he also promised to deliver Jerusalem from the Assyrians. And if that wasn't enough, the Lord even gave Hezekiah a sign as proof that he would keep his word. You see, the Lord had given Hezekiah his word and that was good enough because the Lord is utterly trustworthy. He always keeps his word. But just so Hezekiah was in no doubt, the Lord gave him a miraculous sign as well, proof that he would do what he said. Look at verse seven. 
This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he's promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun go back the 10 steps it's gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So the sunlight went back the 10 steps it had gone down. What a moment that must have been. Can you picture Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, standing on the steps of his royal palace on a beautiful summer's evening with a refreshingly cool orange juice in his hand or maybe something a bit stronger while he surveyed the royal gardens? And as the sun began to go down, so his shadow from the sun over his shoulder lengthened down the steps until his shadow was so long that it covered 10 steps. And then without Hezekiah moving a muscle, miraculously the shadow began to move back up the steps. The sun in the sky was moving in the opposite direction. And end of verse 8, the sunlight went back the 10 steps it had gone down. It was a miracle of huge proportions. And that miraculous sign was given to Hezekiah to show him that his recovery from death was a mighty miracle too. Make no mistake about it, Hezekiah only got up from his deathbed and he was only given another 15 years because of the Lord's miraculous intervention. He would have died had the Lord not stepped in. And it was such a momentous event in Hezekiah's life that he kept a diary of the events. And the rest of the chapter is a a snippet from Hezekiah's diary. His memoirs, if you will, of the time when he was first diagnosed with a terminal illness and then miraculously healed. It's the sort of thing you'd read in the Sun or the Daily Mail. The day the king nearly died. Exclusive insights into the king's deepest thoughts. It starts from the moment when Hezekiah was told he was going to die. Look at verse 10. I said in the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? I said, I will not see again the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. No longer will I look on mankind or be be with those who dwell in this world. Can you feel his pain? I'm so young. I'm not going to see the rest of my life ahead of me. I'm not going to see my children grow up or my daughter get married, or meet my grandchildren. He's beside himself, and in verse 13, he's awake at night, hoping beyond hope that when the morning comes, there will be an improvement in his condition. But, verse 13, I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion he broke all my bones. Day and night you made an end of me. Another sleepless night, and when the sun comes up, when the dawn breaks, Hezekiah is no better. And so verse 13, he's a broken man and getting weaker. And it led him, a grown man, to tears, verse verse 14. He cried. And as we've already seen, he cried out to the Lord. End of verse 14, he prayed, I'm troubled, O Lord, come to my aid. And that's the thing. So often we only get to that point of crying out to the Lord from the heart when we are utterly desperate completely at our wits end when there is nowhere else to turn when we fear for our lives so often it is only then when we really cry out to the Lord and really learn to trust and rely on him to my great shame that is my experience most of the time I just sort of get on with life oh I do say my prayers almost every day but It's only when I'm overwhelmed and completely at the end of my tether or or facing something that I just can't handle, something that's completely beyond me, it's only then that I really cry out to the Lord for help. 
Now, through these last weeks, over and over again, Isaiah has been calling on God's people to trust the Lord and to trust him alone. And time and again, we've seen God's people ignoring him and turn to other things, trusting in their own schemes. And as we've been looking at these chapters, we've seen how we do exactly the same thing. We think we know best. We think our schemes and plans are better than the Lord's. We think we can get ourselves out of a fix uh, by doing the things the way we'll do them. And sometimes the Lord has to bring us to a point where we realise that there's nowhere else to turn before we truly turn to him. In the summer of 1990, I worked in New York City, working with the homeless, many of whom were drug addicts. Now, one of the first people I met was a, a guy called Big James. I think I might have told you about him before. He was big. His name was James, so they called him Big James. Big James was a brilliant keyboard player. He'd been a professional uh, session musician. He played on a number of top-selling albums. But he got into drugs, lost his job, and began to steal to keep the habit going. And in trouble with the law, he lost everything. His job, his reputation, his Manhattan apartment... And he said to me, Paul, I hit rock bottom and then I fell further. And it was only then that I turned to the Lord. Well, that's Hezekiah. Well, he had been following the Lord, but that's what he wrote in his diary. As he was dying, he cried out, end of verse 14, I am troubled, O Lord, come to my aid. He really cried out from his heart. And his next diary entry is brilliant. Verse 15, but what can I say? He's spoken to me and he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. See, that's the right response to the Lord. A promise to walk humbly before God. But it takes being broken to get me to that point sometimes. Verse 15, I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. The anguish of his soul was him facing death. See, death does that for us. It humbles us. We have no answer to it. For me in this job, I don't go many weeks without coming face to face with death as I take funerals and meet with people who've been given the devastating news of terminal illness. And because I come face to face with death so often, it makes me realise again and again that I will go that that, that way one day. And every time I speak at a funeral, I realise that without the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have no other answers. And that is very humbling. I am going to die. We are all going to die. We're all actually in the same boat as Hezekiah. We've all got a terminal illness. It's called life. It's terminal. And facing up to death and honestly looking death squarely in the face and knowing that we need an answer to death is often the only thing that will bring me to my senses and to my God. It's only then, because of the anguish of my soul, that I promise, verse 15, I will walk humbly all my years. I've heard this from a a number of people over the years. One person who was only given months to live put it to me this way. I see everything more clearly now. Now I can see what really matters. I don't get worked up about little things anymore. It's changed the way I live. It's changed me for the good, they said to me. Facing up to our mortality should leave us saying to the Lord, I will walk humbly before you all my years. That's a change for good. 
because it is in living humbly before the Lord that verse 16 we live and our spirit finds life see so many things in life promise to give me verse 16 they promise to make me feel alive but they don't ever quite deliver and even if they satisfy me for a time they don't last they're like a fix last only a little while and then leave me desperate for the next high Uh, most of you know me well enough to know I love sport all sport I get so excited about sport but sport's like that isn't it whether it's the world cup or the tennis I get so excited but it always disappoints especially if you're an England supporter but even if we'd won the world cup it wouldn't last look at Spain champions of the world four years ago dumped out of the competition without getting through the first round this time so much of life is like that the highs don't last But turning to the Lord and really trusting him is different. I remember when I became a Christian, feeling alive, not just existing, but living. For the first time, I felt I was living life to the full, knowing that I finally discovered what life was really all about. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it in all its fullness, abundant life. Strangely, that's what Hezekiah discovered on his deathbed what he says in verse 16 walking humbly with God is the way to find abundant satisfying rich life and because he discovered that on his deathbed remarkably Hezekiah could say verse 17 surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish what a remarkable thing to say in the past 20 years of pastoral ministry a a few people have said this sort of thing to me But I'll never forget the first time someone said it to me. He was a young man in his 20s who was terminally ill and with a debilitating wasting disease. Now, when I met him, he was unable to walk. He was in a wheelchair and he found it hard to talk because of his illness. But he said these words to me. It took him a long time to get these words out. But he said this. He said, I'm glad I got this illness or I'd have never turned to the Lord. It's a remarkable thing to say. Now that's what Hezekiah says in verse 17. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. Hardship, pain, suffering, difficulty, we want to avoid it at all costs. We see it only as a terrible and dreadful thing and we will do anything to have an easy life free from trouble. I know I will. But you see, sometimes it is only through suffering that we discover life, true, fulfilling, everlasting life in Christ. And that's what's going on here for Hezekiah. The devastation of being on his deathbed brought him to his senses. And that's why he wrote in verse 17, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You've put all my sins behind your back. See, when Hezekiah turns to the Lord and when we turn to Christ, we find that in his love, he rescues us from the pit, from everlasting death. He puts our sins behind us. What a great thing it is to know your sins are forgiven. The guilty past dealt with, completely wiped clean. Nothing to fear in death. What a relief. What a thing to know that you can meet God one day and everything will be okay. No fear in death, no fear in death, no guilt in life. 
That's the way one hymn writer puts it. And so the last words of Hezekiah's diary in verses 18 to 20 are words of praise. Hezekiah praises the Lord for his recovery and that would be a great place to end the story. But sadly, desperately, it doesn't end there. In chapter 39 and verse 1 we read, At that time, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of his illness and recovery. This fellow Merodach Baladan was the king of Babylon. And hearing of Hezekiah's miraculous recovery, the king of Babylon sent envoys with a letter and with gifts for Hezekiah because he wanted to know all about the miracle that Hezekiah has experienced. So here's the moment. We've just read Hezekiah's diary. We know that he promised that in in chapter 38, verse 15, he promised to walk humbly before God all the rest of his days. Here's the moment for him to do just that. The Babylonians wanted to know all about Hezekiah's miraculous recovery. And here's Hezekiah's chance to walk humbly before the Lord and tell them that the Lord miraculously healed him. So we read verse 2. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly and made them a cup of tea and told them how the sovereign Lord was the mighty God of the whole universe who'd miraculously healed him and saved him from death. And then he told the Babylonians that they too could have abundant and everlasting life in the one true living God. No, it doesn't say that in verse 2 in my version either. But that's what Hezekiah should have done. That's what he promised to do when he said he would walk humbly before his God. Not to big himself up, but to point to his God. He could have done that by telling the Babylonians of the miraculous wonders of God in his life. But rather than walking humbly, he was full of pride. And so what verse 2 actually reads is this. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly and showed them what was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine oil, his entire armory and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in his, all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. At the Bible book of 2 Chronicles chapter 32 tells us that the visit of the Babylonians was a moment of, te- of testing for Hezekiah. And that same chapter tells us that Hezekiah was at that time full of pride. Hezekiah didn't walk humbly with God, but full of pride. He showed off all his riches and his armory and his luxuries. He basically said to the Babylonians, look what I've got. Here is Hezekiah showing the Babylonians his bank account statements, his semi-automatic handgun, and his 50-inch flat-screen TV with surround sound. He's excited about all the stuff he has, not the God he follows. And so I love these words from John Oswald. Hezekiah, like Jerusalem, is all too easily diverted from his trust in the Lord when the pressure is removed. All too easily, God's people are seduced by this world's values and put their trust in human glory, wealth, arms, luxuries, when all along we live and prosper by God's good pleasure alone. Now, I don't know about you, but this is me through and through. It's why I need the forgiveness and grace that comes in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the truth is, when times are tough, I throw myself upon the Lord and promise to follow him all my days. And when I do that, I discover what life is about. When I put the Lord first and truly serve him, life is full and rich and meaningful. 
And then when everything is well and the sun's shining and I don't have a care in the world, I stop really trusting the Lord. I give him a back seat in my life. And desperately I find myself most excited by and trusting in all the things around me, all the things I've acquired, all the things that make me secure, all the little luxuries I've amassed. And I feel so pleased and proud with myself. And so it seems that good times are not always my friend because in them I drift from the Lord. Hezekiah did and so once again he gets a visit from Isaiah the prophet. Verse three, Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said, what did those men say and where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied, they came to me from Babylon. The prophet asked, what did they see in your palace? They saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There's nothing among my treasures that I didn't show them. And then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. It is a devastating moment. Hezekiah has turned from the Lord and in his pride he's trusted in other things and so all those things are going to be taken from him. And we see just how far Hezekiah has fallen when we read verse 8. The word of the Lord you've spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought there'll be peace and security in my lifetime. How selfish is that? I'm all right, Jack. And so as we look at Hezekiah in chapters 38 and 39, we see how easy it is to drift from the Lord in times of ease and comfort and how times of hardship can actually be our friend, how hard times can be for our benefit, as we read in chapter 38, verse 17, because it is only when we are broken and struggling that we truly trust the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for an easy stress-free life but it seems to me I should be wary of those times for those are the times when I am most likely to drift from the Lord and here's the surprise I can make times of hardship and difficulty and struggle my friend I can embrace those times times of bad health and when the circumstances of life kick me while I'm down and in the ordinary stresses and strains of life I can embrace those times and be determined to see them as Hezekiah saw them in chapter 38 verse 17 for my benefit I can make the hard times good times by crying out to the Lord in those times crying out from the depth of my soul, completely dependent on him, throwing myself on him. And when I do that, I discover real, fulfilling, abundant life in Christ. Let's pray together. Our Father, we... Thank you for your word. We thank you that over these weeks of looking at the book of Isaiah that we've seen again and again the relevance of your word, although written hundreds and hundreds of years ago, as ever relevant to us today. We thank you for exposing um, the fickleness of our hearts and lives today. And we thank you for revealing to us how we so easily chase after other things And so we dare to say thank you for those hard times when they bring us back to you.
And we thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus, the one who took hard times upon himself that we might know forgiveness, the one who took death upon himself that we might be free from death, the one in whom we can turn to again and again as the one who brings us deliverance. And so we ask you to help us to turn to him afresh this morning and for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name, amen.